Welcome to episode 72 of the True to You podcast. My guest today is the gorgeous Stephanie Heath, and she joins me from New York, where she spends her time working in her incredible business, Soul Work and Six Figures, as a coach, a mentor, a big sister in the figurative sense, and she helps you attain that six-figure job offer all while having a killer internal smile. I love that. During her time in corporate America, Stephanie was involved in the hiring of hundreds of employees for big companies that you'll all know of, JP Morgan's Chase, Goldman Sachs, Deutsche Bank. She negotiated salaries from C-suite executives, the the mid-six figures, all the way down to those poor little interns earning $10 an hour. I mean, that's crazy in itself. All this aside though, what I think you will enjoy about today's episode is Stephanie's honesty, her honest account of her personal experience, how she went through some really rocky patches in her career where she had social anxiety, she suffered from imposter syndrome, and how she's come out the other side of that, a completely different woman, now proudly doing her own soul aligned work with her business. I loved this conversation with Stephanie and whether you are looking to move into a new role in the corporate sector or you've had similar experiences yourself, then I know you will absolutely love this episode too. Let's dive on in. Hang on a minute. After today's episode, you might be ready to race out and get started on those goals for 2021. However, before you do that, I really recommend you check out a great freebie that I created called Design Your Business Vision. Now, this was created to help women who are starting from scratch, who have the seed of an idea and they don't know where to go to next. Or maybe it's the woman that's making the pivot in her business and she wants to recreate her vision, create a new vision and a new direction. This is a great exercise to gain clarity on your why, learn how to double down on your zone of genius. I love that stuff. Learn practical elements of your business, like how much time you have to spend, what financial investments you need to be making, and give you space to generate new ideas that align with this vision. To grab your copy, simply head to the show notes and click the link, or type in rubymarsh.com into your browser and drop your details in at the top of the page. I can't wait to hear what you create. This is the True To You podcast, your very own work bestie. Each week, we come together for honest conversations about reinventing yourself and your career, all while navigating a path towards meaningful work. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. Welcome to the True to You podcast, Stephanie. It's beautiful to be here with you today. Awesome. It's so nice to be here with you too. And I love looking at your website. 
So oh, thank you. Super excited to talk to you. Yeah. 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 I think um, what's really cool is this is how I connected with Stephanie. So this is, this is how like random, but cool Instagram can be. So we both, uh, we both practice Kundalini yoga and I saw her story pop up on the, the place that we practice through is called Rama Institute. And I saw it pop up on my stories that this woman was using some Kundalini yoga meditation with her clients. And I was like, oh, this is cool because this is what I'm starting to introduce clients to as well. And so I, you, you go down the rabbit hole and you're like, oh, this person's really interesting. And I love what she was doing with her career coaching. And uh, I'll read you what she has on the byline of her email, which is coach, mentor, big sister. I help you attain a six-figure job and a killer internal smile. And I thought, ah, oh, yes, this, this is why I'm here talking to this woman today, uh, because she is is very aligned with how I um, view the world as well. So thank you so much for joining me, Stephanie. Now let's get into the first question, which is always the most interesting one and the one that people really want to hear, which is how did you get started with your business that you have today? You, you didn't start out with a business. You have had a corporate career. Tell me, Tell me about the journey. What's it been like and, and what prompted you to start this business? Yeah, um, probably similar to you, right? So service-oriented, service, um, service oriented, wanting to help people. Um, but the, but the not-so-pretty side of that was just, uh, you know, failing in my corporate career. Um, you know, I was lucky to uh, create really good relationships with, um, you know, people in the interview process. So just, um, quote unquote, networking and having people um, send my resume places and refer me to roles. And because of that, I, I, I did well in my career, I think. However, um, just my my personality is more of a people person, more of, um, I just have a different skill set. And so because of that, uh, some of those roles didn't work out. So I have been let go, I've been laid off, um, and at a certain point it became just emotionally tolling, where it's just like, this this isn't right for me and I can't keep investing my heart and soul into these companies. And then, you know, w- waking up every day thinking, am I going to get fired? Did I make this mistake? Did I make that mistake? Does this person still like me? How can I please? What can I do better? And still, after all of that, be let go. So, um, you know, at one point I went away to Japan. I just, you know, took two years off playing with children, teaching English. And um, I came back and I decided to, you know, get back into, you know, HR and recruitment. And I was so lucky to find a role in SF. I moved from New York City to San Francisco just over a weekend. And the next day started working, managing their recruitment process. And unfortunately, the same thing happened where my imposter syndrome kicked in and, you know, all the things. Um, and unfortunately, they let me go and they ended up letting go of 75% of the company as well. So after that, I just like threw my hands up in the air and I said, I can't do this anymore. And so I bought a business account or, um, you know, I enrolled in a business account. I threw down some money for a mastermind um, and really gave a go at this business. So that's my story. Amazing. Amazing. I, I think... Uh, you, I can see why you call this soul aligned work because at a certain point there, there was enough nudges from the universe, right. To say that I think your path is going to look 
something different and <laughs> and you're probably feeling like uh, I've given this enough goes and now it's time for me to do my own thing and and now you're flourishing like you're in the work that you meant to be in and I think it's so beautiful that then you can give back to people still working you weren't completely burnt out by corporate right you you now help place people in corporate roles yeah yeah and um yeah um the first business I started was actually soul work and selfies um and that was just wanting to help women with their self-esteem while also, you know, pushing back on this idea that we can't like selfies and we can't, you know, want to look quote unquote pretty, all that, all that stuff. Um, so that kind of failed. And then once, you know, the last position ended the way it did, I decided to just go in on this. And as you mentioned, I still have that recruitment skill set. So that's how Still Working Six Figures came to be. Amazing. Amazing. I love it. It's really interesting because when I heard the term soul work and six figures and I was looking into the industries that you place people in, things like tech, investment banking, and to me, though those words soul aligned don't necessarily fit it, you know, from the outside with those types of industries. I, I was an architect for a number of years and um, the industry is slowly changing, but it is it is still fairly masculine dominated, which you know soul work is not is not just for women, right? but but in terms of those industries, you know, kind of like make or break industries, you'll be pushed to your to your limit and and all of those kind of outside views that we have. but, I absolutely love that you decided, you know what, this is this is what what I'm meant to do and this is how I'm meant to do it. So yes, those two things go in the same sentence. I would love for you to explain to me how that has been received by the women and the men that you work with and you work with people of all different ages as well, which was really, really cool. Um what do you think has attracted them to your business and like what does soul aligned mean for you i guess first as well yeah and thanks for sharing your story when i um checked out your website i saw that you're an architect and you made the change <laughs> and that you're helping women i think mostly women do the same with their yeah. businesses so yeah i was looking at your your products you have a full suite so just, <laughs> just that's that's super awesome um but so the two questions are so soul align yeah. um, basically basically that just means a role that's meant for you right with team members that are meant for you you don't have to put on a face you don't have to you know say the right thing you can make jokes you can feel safe to make mistakes mm. that's a huge thing that I think a lot of people that potentially don't fit into the um the um not the collective but the main demographic or just um you know uh whatever that term is um they just find it difficult to show up fully as themselves so you know Bobby will make a mistake and he's just like okay you know it's all right there's nothing wrong I, I won't make the same mistake but you know Susie will make that mistake and then she just thinks that this is the end of the world because she's not she doesn't feel as if she's around safe people like-minded people people that she can relate to and it's not necessarily the company's fault it's just you know what she has um it's a mixture of that it's how she feels about herself how safe she feels in herself and then also to 50 50 percent of just finding that environment for the company 
Um, so, so that would be what a solo line position is. You mm-hmm. feel safe with your team members. You can make mistakes. You can make mistakes with your employer, your, your manager, and the product is aligned. The company um, values is aligned. Um, you can see yourself growing within that company. It's clearly communicated to you, um, and you feel like it can actually happen. Um, and that's something that maybe doesn't happen quite often. Um, what attracts people to working with you? especially I'm guessing it's because they perhaps haven't felt like they've trusted some people in the industry or they've had a similar story to you. I think number one, they know I'm not going to rip them off, which sounds crass, but they know like if you follow my Instagram for you know, for a day, you can tell that I'm not really about that life. You know, I'm I'm really about um, transformation, getting you your offer. Um, Prior to COVID, my clients had a success rate. So just getting a bomb offer after the 10 weeks. uh, And then others either went the entrepreneur route or um, got promoted at their company. And then COVID came. And so sometimes, you know, clients just took a little bit longer, but for the most part, I'm not taking on clients that I'm not a good fit for. I'm very much a girly girl. I do not like using textbook speak. I, most of my business English isn't even in my head anymore because I spent so much time away. Um, so, you know, it has to be a right fit for us. And I think that they can pick up on that. And I have a really good network of other career coaches, um, at least not at least, but around um, 30 career coaches that all specialize in different things. So I do that all the time. Yeah. I um, send folks to other folks. Um, And then, uh, so, so I think that that's number one. And then the second, um, potentially the fact that I've worked in so many different industries um, and hired for so many different functions. So I've, I've been a general recruiter, so that could help. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think, I think that's really interesting. I'm just going to pick up something in that you said about having a network of other people doing a similar job to, you know, similar work to you, but you each have your own niche or way of working as well, which I think is very much your style is that you have a certain style and you, um, you work with people on certain things because, <clears throat> You know, coaching and um, recruitment, especially I've I've had a few friends that are recruiters. It, it can be a very competitive environment, right? It's it's almost like sales, and which is really interesting because you said straight up, I am not going to rip people off. And I think that sometimes our experience of working with recruiters can be like that. I know it can be different as well, but I love that you have that network and that there's this uh, camaraderie to support each other with your businesses. And do you think that has helped your business as well? Has that been a really positive effect on your business? 100%. Mm. Um, And so one of the, not, methodologies but one of the pillars of my business is called good people get hired and it's just it's like a a 10 it's a doc with just 10 values core beliefs that we go by that honestly speaking will get you will skip you through interview rounds and it's all about character and um, I think that that's helped me significantly because the career coaches that I partner with and work with they've had their businesses for five years and you know they're like they don't they don't even have the bandwidth to take on clients and they're sending them to me because you know, we can tell that we're not, you know, unfortunately, like screwing people over. That's not why we're in business. Um, And yeah, you know, it's it's great to have 
for you as well, I'm sure, like, you know, just having folks that are doing the same thing that you're doing that we, we all know that there's enough clients to go around and it's more important that that person finds the best fit. So I know for me and for some women, sometimes really alpha men um, or just aggressive people, maybe like a New Yorker or like a DC type can be jarring and you can't show up as your best self. So, um, you know, potentially I would move that sort of client to someone else or, you know, we would just suss each other out on the first call. Yeah. Um, and just to your point about, you know, quote unquote, sleazy recruiters, it's a stereotype for a reason. Yeah. Um, but I will say that the industry is changing. And I do think that the world is changing where we're realizing even sales is changing. Right. So it's like all about empathic sales, service minded leadership, where just, you know, helping people being a good person is kind of how you're winning. Like that's the new black. So, um, so just for any of you guys that are going through an interview process and you're getting ghosted by recruiters or there's some agency, you know, recruiters that are treating you like a piece of meat, I apologize for them and just, you know, try to like brush it off. And so and realize it's getting that better. Yeah. There's amazing people like Stephanie out there that probably, do you then have connections with recruiters, like good relationships with people that are actually hiring and interviewing for the roles so that, you know, okay, if I then pass this person on that they're going to have an okay time. 100%. So the good thing is that although I didn't last in in corporate recruitment too long, a lot of my friends did and they're in, yeah. in high places at really um, companies that you all know and love. And um, I've even had clients that are now hiring at companies, you know, and love where they're building out their own teams. So, you know, being nice to people or just, you know, treating people the way you'd want to be treated pays off. Mm, so, mm. E even if you don't have any other skills, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and exactly what you were saying, the industry is changing and I think we have to trust that it is changing because otherwise, if we constantly refer back to the stereotypes, we tend to just get caught up in that. We have one bad experience and then, oh, this is what I'm just, this is what I'm going to expect for every single opportunity following. So I think for everyone listening as well, if you're going through a recruitment process or you're, I, I have a beautiful friend who runs a recruitment company here in Australia. And I, you know, so I know that there's, there's a lot of different people that have also come from different journeys into doing recruitment as well. Uh, so it's really exciting to see that people uh, coming into that industry also from a different background, maybe they've come through from administration and more HR based roles and, and um, have, have that heart that you're talking about. So I wanted to ask you next about one of your signature programs that you have called Career Catalyst. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. It's my favorite program. Oh, good, 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 good. Because we're going to talk about money, people. <laughs> I, I often bring it back to money. I love conversations around uh valuing yourself, valuing your skill set, especially working with small business owners when you are putting a price on your own work, that can be very daunting and sometimes you don't know where to start. This particular program, Career Catalyst, focuses on the skill of career, of salary negotiation, sorry, which 
I know, like I said, as a challenge for some people, I've been through this challenge myself. When I first entered architecture, it was 2008. (laughs) So I graduated and then the GFC happened and construction, similar probably to what happened in the US, was the first to be hit because in Australia, we're very much propped up by our construction industries, huge. So I was basically fighting to keep my job for about five years <laughs> and not and not uh, be retrenched because there was retrenchments happening every single year for about five years. And with that, though, was salary negotiation and that process became really sticky because, of course, there was no money. <laughs> and so learning to try and negotiate a salary when there was no money, when you try, it, was, it was really, really tough, especially as a new graduate. So I'm really interested to know your approach about, around this, um, why, why you love pe- helping people with this challenge that we might have. And this is going to come up when you're applying for a job. It's how much, how much, that's, that's the, the one question we're all waiting for at the end of the interview. So what's your salary expectations to this one? So I would love for you to share with us some of the ways that you help people feel confident and help them really enjoy this process of negotiating salaries and, and enjoying money in general. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's been a process for me too. And, um, out of curiosity, what is a, um, entrenchment I think you call it oh retrenchment it's like being let go that's like a a a nice formal way of saying (laughs) that we have to let you go (laughs) not not necessarily for any particular reason other than we have to drop the head count and um yeah so they use this nice word called retrenchment which um yeah basically was um we're going to have to let you go, but <laughs> we're not going to make it sound as bad somehow. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sorry you went through that. I know. Um, I think then the equivalent would be like furloughed or laid off and that's happening mm. a lot now because of COVID yeah. Over here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we could talk about salary. Um, <laughs> so I think the biggest thing I would recommend that you partner with the recruiter mm. or whoever you're talking to. So um, when I started out, due to innocence and also it kind of, you know, worked um, putting on that persona was just asking them, you know, what the budget was and, you know, what they would recommend. Um, And I'd usually ask those questions if I was being represented by a recruitment agency at a company. So like, yeah, you know, research and I'm not quite sure what would you recommend or, you know, what, what's the budget? What have you seen on the market? And they'll typically give you some answers. If that's not your personality if, and you don't want to put on a persona at all, you don't have to. Um, you can also lead by just sharing what you're looking for. Um, and the biggest um, thing to do when you do that is just be well-researched. So just, you know, try to find some crowdsourced salary information on, you know, what folks are actually making at that company, maybe through forums. There's lots of um, women-centered forums where people are just uh, sharing Excel docs with all of their salary information. And then, of course, you have the glass doors. Mm. And then also it doesn't hurt to just create um, just like a profile on Payscale. I prefer Payscale versus salary.com and make sure you're plugging in all the filters. So if you are interviewing for a head of communication titles, but also head of 
creative strategy, then you can play with both titles, um, you know, and just get an, an, an overall picture of what you can ask for. And then you always want to just tack on maybe 10 to 15K more than the top salary um, based on that research, just so that when you're in the negotiation process and they negotiate you down, you still are at the top of the range. Um, and so typically you can ask for that 10K to 15K more if you're interviewing for roles already in the 6K range. If it's less than that, you could play with maybe 5K, 6K, and then um, do, you know, have the same equivalent if it's an hourly position. So um, those are just the top, top tips high level. And then um, just to uh, walk you through the process, um, I think a lot of people think that the uh, negotiation starts at the end when they give you the verbal offer, yeah. but it really doesn't. It starts on that first call, right, with the recruiter. So when they're like, hey, you know, what are you looking for all, all innocently? That's when we're setting the tone of, okay, what I am going to present you to at my hiring manager, what am I going to ask my VP of HR for? And then I'm just, you know, doing calculations on, is this person presenting as a high quality candidate? Are they, you know, rambling? Are they super nervous? Are they trying to make me like them? All of those actions you can, uh, um, are, it's like knocking down 5k from your from your oh, um, wow. salary yeah so so each time you're just not sitting in your truth and just being okay with you know saying hey I don't know the answer to that or hey I've never encountered that at work but this is what I would do you know just owning who you are a recruiter or whomever is just thinking well you know we could probably get them for less um and then something that can happen too is if you're someone that you know comes from a country where you have an accent that isn't a nice accent, um, and you'll you already feel this pressure to perform, that can influence how much they offer you as well. So that's why it's just really important to have someone that can advocate for you, whether that be a wife or a husband or a friend, and say, hey, you know, hype you up before your interview, make you feel confident, and then you have that. Uh, research so that you're asking for the highest amount and then you can also embody that high level um high qualityness oh, amazing amazing i that i can definitely see you a lit up lit up explaining that that's definitely one of your um parts of your job that parts of your coaching work that you're passionate about if i know that the the people that work with you are going for those six-figure salaries, aren't they? A lot of, most of the time, that's that's the range that you are helping people with. How do people feel about negotiating in that bracket? Does it get easier? Is it, uh, if someone's jumping for the first time into the six-figure bracket and they're like, oh, how do I even, you know, perceive that number in my head, let alone ask for it. Is there anything that you help them with in terms of their money mindset and getting them in the right place to believe that they're worthy or that that's, that's their value? Yeah. It's just having that second person there. That's like, go for it. Mm. Because like, I, I'm sure you could guess everyone has done their research before. So they know it's possible for them. It's just that wall of fear. So, yeah. you know, if you have um, like an expert recruiter or a friend that's a recruiter or someone in HR, or even someone that has that title already that can say, give you that second yes, that's when you're like, you know, your balls to the wall. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah. So I, if anyone's listening and they're about to go through this process, uh, Hopefully you've got someone amazing that you're working with, but if not, a coach is a great, 
great starting point as well, especially if you're negotiating in some of those higher numbers that even that investment in the coach is going to help you so much. It's it's going to feel priceless <laughs> once you once you get those roles. And as Stephanie said, yeah, find someone that can advocate for you and have you look you in the eyes and say you are worth those six figures and don't doubt that 100% and then off you go. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> exactly. And um, I think people are afraid that they'll they'll sniff out the fear in your voice once you ask for it. And they really won't, right? Most recruiters are partnering with you. So you had said something earlier on that is completely true, which is that recruiters are kind of salespeople, right? So we're we're selling you to the hiring manager, like, oh, this is a great candidate for XYZ reason, and sort of managing that relationship. And we're also doing the same for you. And, you know, sometimes with like a recruitment agency as well. Um, So we're not going to we want to make you happy just as much as we want to make our hiring manager happy. And I've done that plenty of times. Any recruiter, even the ones that are hard-nosed, do that because you will end up quitting or taking another offer. Um, and then I did want to answer that other question that you had, which is um, are, once you're in the six-figure range, is it easier? Mm. And it's yes, um, we it's expected. Um, and I would say under maybe around 55K, 55k USD. That's when usually role roles have set pay bands, but anywhere from like 60k, you usually have about a 5k wiggle room of negotiating. Minimum. Ah, good to know. Good to know. Thanks for that hot tip. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to go into some mindset stuff, some s- specific things that you shared very honestly uh, on when I was doing doing my research <laughs> for this interview. And learning a little more about you, Stephanie, that there's some really great things that you shared around experiences that you've had. And I know that you spoke about those at the start through sharing your career journey. One in particular, though, is something that I feel like it never goes away. And that's imposter syndrome, because if we're a high achieving woman, which I imagine that you are, and you just keep moving the goalposts, right? <laughs> so the imposter syndrome, it follows you just like the fear follows you. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that you're constantly stepping into a new version of yourself. And so feeling that imposter syndrome is not is not actually a bad thing. I would love to talk to you about your experience with imposter syndrome and how that showed up for you in the past, like how you recognize that that was um, imposter syndrome. And second to that, any tools that you have used to deal with that, and they might be things like meditation or yoga uh, to work through that and to get yourself in that place where that doesn't debilitate you, but you feel empowered by it as well. Awesome. Um, we, we can get started. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is why I have this business, right? Um, because imposter syndrome is just that, you know, partner in the dark, always there for the ride. Um, and I, honestly, I think that that's the reason why I wasn't able to be as successful as I wanted in my corporate career. And I think for a lot of people, 
um, that have maybe insecurities um, more so than the average person. Maybe they're not as well adjusted. Um, mm-hmm. That can ruin your career. It can, can ruin your relationships. And um, how it showed up was, um, you know, I would make a mistake and it would ruin me. I would think that it was the end of the world and I couldn't really recover from it as quickly. Um, whereas other people made those same mistakes. And, you know, so, um, so it wasn't that, you know, potentially I was this, you know, not detail oriented or just this bad person that wasn't good in that role. It was that I couldn't, I just thought it was the end of the world and I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, I didn't feel safe with the organization. So, um, you know, consciously because everyone there weren't as many you know black women or other minorities I didn't care about that I didn't really know that that was affecting me Mm. but subconsciously I think I felt like I had to be in a box I had to laugh a certain way or do a certain thing and that sort of um helped the situation in a negative way where where I wasn't able to um proceed successfully in those roles um So hopefully that kind of shines a light on my story. Mm. And then in terms of tools, um, just having another person. So if you're a business owner, you know, having that coach or being in that mastermind uh, or, you know, working with a PR agency or just whatever, it really helps to have people in your corner. It could even just be having like uh, a manager that's working for you just so that you have someone that can get you out of your mind, and you know, sort of talk to you about things that are happening. And then in your career, the same thing. So being a part of, masterminds for women for women in finance or being in Facebook groups where there's a high level of touch where you guys are meeting maybe once a week or something like that that is key to your career I think and um, I've been lucky enough to to coach uh, clients that are the same age as me and kind of younger now that are doing these amazing things making so much money managing departments and um, just being able to introduce them to mentors that they can that I can pass them to so now that they have this job and they can have have a mentor and they don't slip into those bad ways again and I, I, I really think that that's key so if you don't take anything from this call make sure that you have a support team because there's billionaires and millionaires that still have coaches they all do Oprah she still talks to Deepak Chopra sometimes right yeah it's necessary yeah yeah, I think um, that's such good advice. So good advice. And thank you for being so honest as well and transparent because it's something that sometimes we we white knuckle, you know, we want to um we want to get through and and not share our experience because of what people might make that mean about us. But by also you being so open about your experience, I just want to acknowledge you for this, that uh, I'm sure that attracts people that have been through the same things. But we also know, hey, this woman is human and she's also telling me this stuff so she's equipped to help me deal with it as well. Whereas if we kind of put up this facade, right, of, I'm all good. I'm perfect. Nothing's ever happened to me, but I'm going to coach you on imposter syndrome. (laughs) It's yeah. Like I wasn't kidding when I said I've been fired twice. I've been laid off. I, you know, I've only successfully thrived in one company and that's because I felt safe there and it was a solo line company. Uh, But every other opportunity although I worked for the most amazing people that still vouch for me that are still in my life now all of those managers they still 
we all have great relationships. It's just that, you know, I couldn't feel safe enough to perform successfully in those roles. So, um, so yeah, I forgot why I brought that up, but we, we've all been through the ringer. That's why we have this business. Like, you know, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, but I think also to your credit, it takes a certain kind of person to, uh, to decide that you want to help people with this stuff because it would be just as easy to not go there because that's too hard or I'm not into the mindset work or, um, you know, I don't, uh, to, to go back to the beginning of what we were talking about in terms of being soul aligned, oh, that, you know, this, I'm just all about the corporate and keeping that separate and things like that so I really I really honor you for for doing this work and approaching it in this way yeah Uh, (laughs) something that you also shared was uh your experience with social anxiety and um this is this is something that I think uh a lot of a lot of women more so I I can't speak for men. I'm sure men know, but having worked with a number of women that we, we can experience being in these high pressure environments as well, because I think also the culture is changing, which is amazing. And, and you probably know so many companies now that are vastly different from when you started out. And so if the cultural fit piece is, is so, Oh, important for people, but when you feel out of place in a culture, and I've I have experienced that before, it's really hard to feel like you can be yourself, to feel like you can speak up, uh, and that can lead to social anxiety. Like you shut down, right? You don't you don't feel like you belong, as you were saying in the safety piece that you've said several times. Uh, I'm curious to know it's. Have you always been a people person? Has this changed for you? Because I feel like social anxiety and being a coach <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't necessarily go together. Is that something that has changed for you over time? Yes. Um, yeah. Naturally, I'm an, I'm an extrovert, and um, prior to COVID and starting this business, uh, I was an extrovert. Um, I didn't realize I had this crippling, you know, low self-esteem, honestly speaking, I, I didn't realize I had it. I just knew I, um, I just was a people pleaser and people liked me and I was good at networking and connecting people and easing, you know, everyone's nervous in the room and I would come in and just like make jokes and people would calm down and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but since, you know, starting the business and everyone knows that, you know, first year in business is, it's a special moment in time, right? Like we, we go through some things. So just being at home, you know, not going out anymore, just focusing on making rent, you know, living in a city like San Francisco, losing that, that six figure position and being responsible to still come up with that rent um, was an experience. And so I just stopped going out and I just would stay home and work, work, work. And through that process, I became a lot more socially anxious or it just, I just felt it more. So, you know, for example, walking down the street and feeling the energy or feeling the presence of someone a block away and like climbing up and, you know, getting too much information from someone where it's like, I can't think because I just am either feeling, you know, whatever they're feeling or it's just whatever they're 
whatever they're pushing off, I'm just feeling too much and I can't think enough to speak properly. Um, so that became a thing I would say in the last two years. Mm. Um, but I think everyone's going through that now because we're not talking as much. We're not out seeing each other eye to eye, you know, in, our, in each other's auras, et cetera. Um, and so you, so uh, I'm forgetting what the question was again. And I definitely did write a point down to speak to it. Um, that's okay. That's okay. I, I edit anyway. So we'll just, we'll just uh, work with it. So I was asking you how you, how you work to overcome that when you're doing what you're doing and you show up on Instagram all the time you're always there and I love that and I think you're you've created a presence for yourself um you know you run a lot of workshops and opportunities for people to engage with your work mostly online I imagine at the moment so I'm I'm just curious to know how you've navigated that social anxiety and still able to show up in the way that you do Okay. And thank you for that. Um, so, so I'll speak to what, um, job seekers can do if they're dealing with social anxiety and, um, they want to enter into a company that's made for them. So first is just being brave enough to say no and to go with your gut reaction. If during the interview process, you find yourself trying to please the person too much and trying to impress the person too much. And that happens with maybe 90% of the people that you're interviewing with. Personally speaking, I don't think that that situation is going to be a long-term fit for you. And there's so many companies out there that would love to have you that it would just, hopefully you can be brave enough to just continue interviewing, um, take a high volume approach so that you have a lot of opportunities happening at the same time so that you can feel comfortable by saying no. And then for me, um, you know, honestly speaking, it's not about me. I, you know, started this company and it sounds weird, but I'm just kind of along for the ride at this point. I'm not stopping at all. And um, it just, it makes me happy to help people so um there was a point in time when i would show up on stories every day like have you know eight to ten clips of me teaching something and then it turned into me just having more of an influencer vibe where i was just sharing my behind the scenes and now um honestly speaking i just feel more better dealing with my clients so i'm not on stories as much but um i still know I'm putting things out there to help people. And then some other practical tools, which we love, yes. um, it's just <laughs> Kundalini. Like before this interview, I did Ego Eradicator and it was yes. perfect. Um, and, you know, we, we could talk about that for a while, but Kundalini has been a life changer in every area of my life, my client's life as well, because it's still kind of out there. I'll tell them, you know, do you want to do this meditation? I won't say, do you want to do this Kriya? Um, and then, you know, I'll just start them off with slow things. And it's just it's a game changer so anytime I sign any sort of mindset work it could be a journey like a shaman shamanistic journey meditation or subliminals having them sleep listening to subliminals or kundalini or um even prescribing reiki like I've done that for several clients um whenever they start to say yes Steph let's do these things that's when the game changes for them that's when all of these serendipitous interview requests and friend of friends reaching out to them start to happen and it's it makes me happy so um so those are the tools I use now amazing how did you how did you discover kundalini yoga i'm going to sorry listeners i'm going to indulge my <laughs> passions for a, a second but i know there's lots of people asking me about it so you're all going to be curious after this as well how how did you find kundalini yoga stephanie 
Yeah. Um, it was through my second business coach, Brianna Rose. Ah, so if you want to find her on Instagram, she's I am Brianna Rose and she's just a powerhouse. Like she's amazing. And um, I, I signed up for her one year mastermind, which is a significant financial investment that I made happen through God's grace, God's glory. And um, one year of just Kundalini and, um, you know, all the things, um, spiritual behind the scenes business stuff. <laughs> so. Uh, amazing. Amazing. And then, um, when, I mean, I was, I was practicing with Rama before this year and before everything that's happened in 2020, but the fact that they have such an extensive catalog of classes and styles of teachers as well, depending on your mood, who do I feel like learning from today? Um, you know, do I feel like a real sort of feminine presence or do I feel like a masculine or do I, and, and each teacher teaches very different, don't they? So um, and it's also a practice where I think, I think this is true for all styles of yoga though as well. Although uh, I found that in Kundalini, there is much more of a emphasis on lineage or of learning from one or a couple of specific teachers. And I found that's also really helped me because I'm not sure about you. Did you practice yoga before getting into this? I did. And I went to maybe one or two Kundalini classes and I was just like, what did I walk into? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) Yeah. I think also for someone that perhaps like yourself that knows that, um, I I don't know how to explain it, but when I went to my first class, there was people of all different ages. We didn't have to be wearing tight lycra. And I used to work for Lululemon and I love their clothes and they're amazing, but that, that somewhat freedom that they give you to express yourself and that that's very much encouraged that the, the practice is a way of bringing out more of your self-expression because you tap more into your, your own energy source. And I guess when, when, you know, you're learning to breathe from different parts of your body that also increases the energy and the prana inside you. And I think it's just, uh, it was a really cool experience to turn up to that class and be like, I I think this is where I belong actually. (laughs) Same. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. And now doing it not in person is a little bit different, but I guess once you get your teacher or a couple of teachers that you really enjoy, then, then you do get that transmission, even though it's through the, the online space. So that's really, really cool. Um, have you done any other trainings with Kundalini or are you interested in doing anything with that to bring it more into your work or? Yes. Um, I wanted to sign up for her um, Kundalini certification program, yeah. um, but I, could, I couldn't at the time. And yeah. I, I will be doing that at some point. It's life changing. It's, yeah. it's how you stay like, sane and, and have ha- happy surprises. So, And don't you find it's really cool? I mean, meditation, basic sitting practice is also highly, highly beneficial. So I'm not, not saying that everybody has to run out and start a kundalini practice but just as um stephanie was saying that she did one particular breath practice 
before she got on this call. And it's amazing. You can do 10 or 15 minutes, three different, I'll call them exercises for everyone, but they may be one career or a series of things that make a career. And it totally transforms your state. It's incredible. And so if you're, if you're a busy person and you work a corporate job, like some of these things you could be doing on your lunch break as well. That's what's really cool about it. Maybe you have to go into the bathroom and, you know, do your breathing practice, but a lot of it is seated as well. You don't need equipment. So it's truly, truly incredible like that. So if you're interested, hit me up or hit Stephanie up to learn a little bit more. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's it's really cool that the people that you attract as well, they're obviously you bring an energy that is safe and inviting that they want to explore some of these tools. Are they typically practicing yoga or doing meditation already, your clients, or are they completely new to all that stuff? I would say this year, quietly kept they are yeah. because I'll like talk to them. And then on our second session, that's when they'll like throw out certain jargon that lets me know that they're, you know, uh, woo. And so yeah. um, that's when we'll say, oh, okay, let, well, let's add some, you know, either mindset or visualizations or creates like whatever I think that they could, could use help with. Um, so, so yeah, so now I'm definitely seeing a lot more and it's just so exciting. Um, I recently uh, have been added to the healers platform, which was just the biggest thing for me. So that's where you can kind of book a Reiki healer or something like that. And then I have a profile there as a career coach. And so I'm excited to see those clients more. Amazing. Amazing. More. You would also probably really love I uh, don't know if you've connected with her yet. Mary Margaret Scully. She, Earlier this year, she did a series with Rama around, um, and you, I, I believe you can apply to Rama to do things with them. So maybe, maybe look into it. But she, oh, wow. she has had a had a similar similar background, and I, I actually ended up interviewing her as well. I'm slowly infiltrating the podcast with. <laughs> kundalini um but i guess with a kundalini background but uh yeah she's she's super cool super super cool i think you'd really really like her vibe and um yeah doing something similar and bring and some aspects of it into the work as well so well stephanie it has been an absolute pleasure to connect with you today i i i love the internet for this reason there's there's sometimes a love-hate relationship with social media, but this is definitely on the love side, right? That we get to do things like this and that we're fortunate that the we're living in this time where I can bring this amazing woman right into your ears and you can, you know, go forth with some really, really great, uh, really great aspects around mindset little there's great little nuggets in that that you can take away in terms of your salary negotiation and uh, uh, simply just aligning with the right type of people having the right type of people on your team when you're in the job um, job search process because I know for a lot of people it can feel like you're at the mercy of them but also as Stephanie said you're partnering so think of it like a partnership and and find the right people that you want to be in partnership with because 
Sometimes that may mean it takes a little bit longer, but sometimes you might get a really good fit straight up and it happens really quickly too. So yes, thank you so much, so much, Stephanie, for your time. It's been a real pleasure to chat today. Thank you, Ruby. And good luck, you guys. It was a pleasure um, speaking to you all. (laughs) Yeah. Make sure you uh, follow Stephanie. I'll link up to all of her details in the show notes, but check out Stephanie's work. Honestly, she jumps on stories and gives really, really great advice on her stories, even though she said she's not on there as much, but she, she, she is on there quite a bit. So there's plenty on there for you to be inspired. And um, yeah, if you're ever interested, I don't know, have you worked with anyone internationally yet? Or are you mainly your clients all based in the US? I don't think so. I think they have all been US based. Yeah. 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 Well, we might be able to get some of your first international clients. So that'd be really cool. Awesome. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you.